Genesis chapter 40 is our text. Before we get into the message, though, I just want to take a, a moment to just do some family business. There's just some good, good things happening in our church. Uh, yesterday, had the opportunity to marry um, our sound man, Brother Chris, and his uh, new bride, Catherine, and we praise the Lord for them. Yeah. Dave, Lola, we're proud of you guys. And then uh, tonight, uh, there's another wedding of three generations of Great Hills Baptist Church members of the Daily and the Callaways, and so that's going to be a celebration uh, tonight, so uh, rejoice with those folks. And we've got some people who we still consider family that are no longer with us, but uh, the Hatley family, Rob and uh, Josette, where are the Hatleys? Amen. There you are. God bless y'all. We're so glad that y'all are here. And um, just, just some really good, good things happening uh, in our church. And Rob, we love you. And Josette, so glad that you guys are, are here worshiping with us today. And uh, I'm going to take them out to lunch right after service to a fine delicacy. Mighty fine burgers is where we're going for lunch. So uh, his choice. All right, today is uh, about uh, Joseph. Oh, there's so much in my mind and in my heart that I want to share with you today. And just the text being as long as it is, it is a narrative, it is a story. And I want you just to engage in this story with me in a moment because it is a story about being forgotten, not forsaken by God, not, not really even being forgotten by God, but being forgotten by others. And I tell you, Joseph, he is in God's school. He is in God's school of, of becoming a man of God that will be a great leader of God. As we la noticed last time, God has taken him through the crucible, and God has taken him through a journey because a person with great responsibility must have a commensurate integrity and a faithfulness and fidelity about him. So God is taking him through. He's going to matriculate. He's going to graduate. He's going to do great things for God. But before he does, he's going to have to go through many, many years of difficulty and trying circumstances. And one of those he's going to find is being forgotten. Have you ever been forgotten? That's a hard thing. I, I, a few years ago, well, actually a number of years ago, Ashley and I, we were teaching a seventh and eighth grade discipleship class in our church that we were members of at Travis Avenue Baptist Church. And we were going to take them to see the Texas Rangers play a baseball game. Now, this is when Texas was terrible, but man, they are doing much better, I'm so glad to say. Beat Seattle 10 to 4, but not that I was watching or anything. But anyhow, we were going to take them to the baseball game. There were 20 students. And we got to the ballpark in Arlington, and we had 17 students with us. See, 20 minus 17. There were three kids that we were missing. I'm going to tell you, you're talking about an awful feeling came over us. And so we were doing a head count, and, and I, I stayed with the 17 at the game, and Ashley took off, and there they were, three teenage girls, 7th and 8th graders, sitting on the curb waiting on us. They were in the bathroom when we loaded up everybody, and we left them. That's an awful feeling. Joan Arpins, her name, her and her husband were hosting a Bible study in their, in their home. They were doing this uh, many weeks of study, and they were the host home for that week. And, and, uh, but, you know, they got out, kind of a spur of the moment, and on the evening they said, why don't let's, let's go to a movie. So they went to the movie, and after the movie they said, well, let's, let's just go do a little shopping. And so they did a little shopping, and they realized at 10 p.m. that they were hosting the Bible study in their home at 8 p.m. They, oh, it was too late. By the time they, they found out that one couple had walked three miles to get there to the, and guess what study they were studying? 
Gordon McDonald's ordering your private world. That's what they were studying. And yet they forgot. I think to be forgotten is, is hard, or to forget someone is, is difficult. But Joseph, I mean, he could write a dissertation on it. And let's look at it in Genesis chapter 40, all the, all the 23 verses, then we'll even go into chapter 41 for just a moment. But I think this will go quickly because it is such a powerful narrative. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Speak to us, O oh God, as we read it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. It came to pass after these things, after many years, by the way, of being in prison. Joseph has been falsely accused. He's been incarcerated. He did nothing to deserve this, but God allowed this, and he is in prison in a dungeon of a house. And it came to pass that after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was very angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. Now, the captain of the guard is a man by the name of Potiphar. We know who he is. We have studied Potiphar. He is the chief executioner for Pharaoh. He is large and in charge. And in my mind, he is a raw bone, strong, very powerful Egyptian man. And he has taken the butler and the baker, and he has put them in the same prison house where Joseph is. And so he, the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, Joseph did. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, they had a dream, both of them. Each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. Look at Joseph. What a, what a man. Joseph came into them in the morning, and he looked at them, and he saw that they were sad. And so Joseph asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, why do you guys look so sad? And when they said to him, well, we each have had a dream, and there's no interpreter of the dream. So Joseph said to them, look at this, do not interpretations belong to God? Now, hold on for that for just a minute. I, I can't pass this. Joseph is in prison, has done anything wrong. He has been betrayed by his family. He has suffered. He is in a very difficult plight. And yet, in, in, in all of that, he has the wherewithal, first of all, to demonstrate compassion to these two men. And then he's going to testify to Elohim about how good God is. I'm so impressed. Are you? I mean, a lot of times when we are forgotten and we're misunderstood and we're incarcerated or we're falsely accused, whatever, we want to have a pity party. We want to get angry. We want to boil in the hot pot of revenge. Not Joseph. He lets it go. He knows that being bitter and unforgiving is only going to hurt him more than it'll hurt anybody else, so he just lets it go. And so, therefore, he has the wherewithal, he has the spiritual magnitude to be able to say, what's wrong with you guys? Oh, you've had a dream? Let me tell you about my God. My God is an awesome God. He interprets dreams. He said, tell them to me. He says, please. Now, don't miss that. There's compassion there. There's spiritual maturity there. Would you mind telling me your dreams, please? And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and he said to him, Behold, in my dream a, a vine was before me. And in the vine, where, well, there were three branches, and it, is, it was as though it, it, it budded and it, its blossoms shot forth. 
and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes and I pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. By the way, that's what he did. That was his job as the butler. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation. I'm so impressed with this. He did not say, well, let me pray about it and let me go talk to God about this or let let me do some research and dreamology, you know, 101 and I'll come back to you and, and I will reveal to you the dream. He didn't have to do that. Listen, he's so walking with God. He's so... He's so in love with Elohim, and and God is talking to him, and and he is in that good place in his relationship with God. And and so he goes, let me tell you what your dream is. Here it is. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. He will lift up your head. Remember that. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me, please. Remember me when it is well with you. Show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of here. Get me out of this house. Joseph said, I was indeed stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also, I've done nothing here that should put me into the dungeon. So Joseph is basically saying, listen, when this all goes down and you're no longer in prison, just, just remember me. And put a, put, hey, put a good word in for me to Pharaoh. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. So when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, well, I also had a dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. Now, some of y'all looking at that, well, that dream is weird. Tell me about some of your dreams, all right? I said, we all have the most crazy dreams. Now, these, these guys... The first dream we read, now the second one is, in the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. And Joseph said to him, and Joseph didn't preface it with, ooh, man, I got bad news for you. Ooh, well, let, let me pray about this before I tell you this. He didn't do anything. He just said, here's your dream. Here's the interpretation. Three baskets or three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift not up your head, but He'll lift off your head. There's a big difference. All right. He's going to raise one up, elevate him, and he's going to have one deposed or killed. And I will, he will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all of his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Something about three. Three is a time of of exoneration. Did Joseph really hear from God? And if he did, then on the third day, something significant is going to happen. Just just reminds me a little bit of somebody else who made claims to hear from God and represent God and die for the sins of the world. And on the third day, he was vindicated by God the Father. And of course, I'm talking about our Savior, Jesus, arose from the dead. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. My, my, my. Look at that, verse 22. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Here's one of the saddest verses to me in all the Bible. I don't know if anybody today can relate to this or you resemble this, but yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph but forgot him. And it came to pass at the end of two full years. How many years, church? 
How many years has Joseph already been incarcerated? We don't know. Some believe as many as five, maybe six years. He is placed there because he did what was right. He, he told Potiphar's wife, he said, no, no, I'm not going to do that and commit this great wickedness against God. So she falsely accuses him. He's placed in prison. He's there for about five years. He has these interpretations of these dreams. And yet for two full years, he's in prison. And after that, Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. And we'll get into that next week. So today, what I want to look at is just two very simple points. Number one is the point of being faithful. Uh, and I want to look at Joseph's faithfulness with you today as we look through the text together. Uh, on, on the surface, I know it looks like nice guys are going to finish last. I know maybe what some of you are thinking, wow, look at Joseph and how faithful he was. I wonder, I wonder how that's going to turn out for him. Well, well, just look at his faithfulness for a moment. First of all, in verse 4, the captain of the guard, as I mentioned earlier, that was Potiphar. Now watch this. Potiphar places the butler and the baker within the care of Joseph. Now, had Potiphar really believed his wife, I don't think he ever would have done that. I think he knows in his heart that Joseph is innocent, but his hands really are tied. He feels like he has to take a stand for his wife. But I submit to you today, if he really believed that Joseph tried to rape his wife, he would have his head lopped off of his shoulders, but he doesn't. He knows that Joseph is a man of integrity. And so Potiphar, it says in verse 4, entrusts the responsibility of the baker and the butler to his care. Number 2, verses 4 and 7, which is interesting. Joseph... You read that right, by the way, in verse 4. And the captain of the guard, Potiphar, charged Joseph with those two people, the butler and the baker, and he, look at that, the Hebrew word is sharak. Joseph served the butler and the baker while they were in his custody and in his care. This just leaps off at me as a man of, Joseph, that's the kind of man he has. He has that granite, rock-solid integrity and faithfulness to God that he can serve even in the midst of his difficult circumstance. And then we read on in verse 7, it pulls back the curtain just a little bit more to Joseph's soul. I read it to you just a moment ago, but let's, let's relive it. He possesses this small intangibleness that separates the great men of God from the good men of God. And I submit to you today, that great intangible is compassion. He has compassion towards these men. And even though, he, even though he's falsely accused and even though he has done no wrong, he, he exhibits this compassion and even uses the word please. Hey, guys, how are y'all doing? Can I help you? Can I serve you even in the midst of my plight and my situation? Then in verse 8, a third example of Joseph's faithful service is he gives an accurate interpretation of dreams. Now, some of you may be thinking today, well, how are you going to cover this, Brother Dan? I mean, what, what about dreams? I mean, do we, do we really believe that those men had dreams and Joseph gave the interpretation of the dream? That sounds kind of spooky to me. That sounds kind of like signs and wonders. That sounds like charismatic kind of stuff. I, I don't know, but this is in the Bible. It's in the Bible. It's true. And they had those dreams. Those guys had those dreams. And Joseph gave the accurate interpretation. So I've been studying dreams this week. And I want to share with you about some, some dreams. First of all, 
I want to share with you that I believe that just as the Word of God says, that God still deals and speaks in the realm of the supernatural. And I have no problem whatsoever. And I am a conservative, evangelical uh, person just like many of you, and yet I believe with all my heart that these dreams happened and that Joseph gave the interpretation, just like Ben Carson, by the way. Ben Carson had a dream when he was a student at Yale University. He was failing chemistry. Can anybody relate to that? You know, I I can't. This is the strangest thing. I made A's in chemistry, and and I failed geometry. My mind, something's wrong with me. Anyhow, I felt good when I read that Ben Carson had an F in chemistry, and he had to make an A in order to pass in order for him to pursue his medical degree at Yale University. He went to sleep, and it, that night he had a dream. He said, I was sitting in the classroom, and you can read this, by the way. It's in his book, Gifted Hands, okay? I didn't make this up. He's sitting in his classroom, and he's, in, he's all alone. He's sitting at a desk. The door opens. A man walks in and writes all these chemical equations on the, on the chalkboard, you called it back then, the, the blackboard, okay? And, jo- and, and Ben Carson, he, he reads all these chemical equations. He has this strange dream, and he wakes up. He goes to class. He goes to the chemistry class. The professor gives him the test, and the answer to every one of those chemical equation questions was what was in his dream. He made a 97, amen. Finished up, finished up his degree, and God has blessed and, and used him. By the way, you know Ben Carson is a man of faith, a man of God. Well, let me tell you about another dream I studied this week. And this dream really excites me because this has to do with what God is doing in the house of Islam. God is working and moving in the lives of many uh, Muslim people all over uh, the world. Well, first of all, let me, let me tell you what God did in, in Nadia's life. Nadia uh, lived in, our, in Iran, and when she was 10 years of age, her dad signed her marriage certificate to her first cousin. She had no choice. She was going to be married to her first cousin, and when she was 12, it was consummated, and she married her first cousin. She said, my husband became a drug addict. Did y'all know the number one country in the world that is most addicted to drugs is Iran? Did y'all know that? I did not know that. I thought maybe we led in that uh, ungodly category. But no, the Iranian people are so, so many of them are so hooked on opium that it is, it leads the, the, the world in drug addiction. And her husband, he fell uh, prey to that. So her cousin became a follower of Jesus Christ and gave Nadia a copy of the New Testament. And this is what she said. She said, from the moment I received this book, Jesus began to work in my life. It was strange, the things that were happening to me, and a strange happiness like nothing I had ever known came over me. Within a week, she led her husband and her three children to faith in Christ. The next day, uh, David Garrison is writing this article. He's telling about these, these Muslims that he's meeting. He said, the next day, I, I met a man by the name of Hassan. And Hassan told me the story of an African evangelist who gave him an injil. You know what? An injil is, is the word for the New Testament in, in Arabic. So he gives him this New Testament. And he says, I, uh, I, began, to, I began to read it. He said, I, I, 
this guy gave it to me, so I thought, why don't I just go ahead and read it? By the way, it was in my language. It was in the Arabic language. And Hassan's testimony was, I knew it had to be of God because it was in God's language. I mean, they love the Arabic language. So he's reading it, and he goes to bed, and he said he has a dream. He has a dream that he, he sees a, a, a minaret. Do y'all, y'all know what that is? You know what the mosque is? Well, right beside it is this, this long pole-looking device, and it has the crescent on it, and it's, it's called a minaret. And whenever you see a mosque, you'll see one of those. And so he said, in my dream, I saw this guy. And he was chopping, he was chopping the minaret, and it was, it was falling to the ground. And he said, and what amazed me is when I looked closer, I was that guy who was doing that. He said, I woke up, I went to that African evangelist, and I said, whoa, wait a minute. What in the world does this mean? And the African evangelist, just like Joseph, said this. He said, I know your dream, and I'm about to tell you exactly what the dream means. The dream means this that you are going to come to faith in Christ and you are going to lead many sheiks to the Lord Jesus Christ. A sheik, by the way, is a a leader in the Islamic community. Well, Hassan's testimony is this. He says, I have led 400 sheiks to faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? So... Joseph. Let's go back to Joseph, a faithful servant. I don't want you to miss this. Serving Potiphar, serving the prisoners, serving the warden of the prison. Most importantly, he's serving God. He's using his gift. He's a very gifted man. And by the way, Joseph, the last time he dealt with dreams, it it about cost him his life. You remember, he says, oh, guys, brothers, I got a dream. I had a dream, and I believe I know the interpretation of the dream. Oh, y'all going to bow down to me one day. Aren't I special? Aren't that great? Man, they laid hands on him, and they threw him him in a pit. And so when I first was studying this, I was thinking, Joseph, whoa, wait a minute. You may not want to do that because you've been burned greatly. And if you go back into dreamology, and man, it's not going to bode well for you. And maybe that's what the devil was telling him. Maybe the devil's telling some of you that. You used to have a hot heart for God, and man, you used to do great things for the Lord, and you used to be passionate for Him, but man, you got burned. You got forgotten. Somebody omitted you. Somebody didn't invite you. Somebody passed over you, and man, you are just you're just stinking mad about it. Let, let the truth be known. Your, your arms are crossed. You got this look on your brow, and you, you're, just, you're just angry. And God says, you, you got to let that go. <laughs> you you got to let that go. And the way you're going to let that go is you're going to go back to the very place where you were hurt. And you're going to deal with it. You're going to have to ask for forgiveness, and you're going to have to give forgiveness. No, Joseph's not a super saint. You can't imitate him. I can imitate him. Even in the midst of weakness and sadness and hurt, and maybe you've been forgotten and left out in that crucible, God can use you. God can speak to you. Listen to this. God can restore you back to Himself and back to His church. Okay, so that's faithful. Number two is, is forgotten. Again, verse 23, I, I don't know of a sadder verse in the Bible than when it says, He's done all these good things, and Joseph is forgotten for two full years. Let me read Psalm 105, verses 17 through 20 to you because it gives a great commentary on our text today. It says, uh, he sent a man before them, Joseph. God sent Joseph, who was sold as a slave 
They hurt His feet with fetters. They, he, he was laid in irons until the time that His Word came to pass. The Word of the Lord tested Joseph. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. So Joseph is going to be tested. He's going to be forgotten. But yet, even in the midst of that, he's going to display for us incredible integrity, incredible fidelity to God and, and to his mission to represent God in a foreign land. And again, let, let, let me go back to this for a moment. And this hurts me to read some of this, but I feel like the Spirit of God really impressed me to read this to you. And I'm, I've got to be faithful. I've got to be obedient. Perhaps a parent forgot your childhood. And as impressed as I am with Vince Lombardi reading his biography, he was a horrible dad. He completely forgot his kid's childhood. He was so consumed with the Green Bay Packers in football that he basically forgot Vincent and Susan and pretty much left them to themselves. Perhaps that's you. Perhaps that's me. Somebody forgot us, forgot our childhood. You're a senior adult, and your grown children have forgotten you. And that hurts. Doesn't that hurt? I can't imagine, by the way. But some of you know this very well. You are a senior saint of God, and your kids don't want to have anything to do with you, and that is painful. Let the truth be said, that is very painful. Some of you have helped your spouse get through medical school. Some of, you, some, some, some of you have been faithful, and yet when he or she arrived at the plateau of their profession, they looked at you and said, basically, I'm trading you in for somebody younger, somebody prettier, and you were so faithful to God. You were faithful to your spouse, and you've been forgotten. And you've been basically just left to die, and it hurts. Some of you, some student, your heart's been broken because what a friend did to you. You trusted him. You trusted her. But when you needed him and you needed her, not only did they forget you, but they've abused you. And here you are. You said, how did you know that? Because the Spirit of God told me that. That's somebody here today. And I just want you to know this. Though man has hurt you and man has forgotten you, God loves you. God cares for you. And God is in the middle of your hurt. You say, but I can't see it, Brother Danny. I can't feel it. He, he feels as distant as the galaxies above me. But let me tell you something. If anything is true in this story, if this is it. God never forgot Joseph. God was faithful to his man. And God allowed these horrible things to happen because God has a purpose. Let me, let me close with this passage of Scripture in Psalm 27, 14. And there's, there's two things I want you to notice with me. And they, they relate to Joseph and they relate to us. Let, let me read this text. Chris, would you give me some of those Kleenex there? I tell you, the one Sunday I start crying, I forget my Kleenex. Forget. Get, get that. No pun intended. Here we go. Psalm 27, 14. 
It's all brown. Whew. It's my makeup. Come on, guys. Come on. It's just my makeup. You think the worst. Don't think the worst. Psalm 27, 14 has, has saved my life on more than one occasion. Let, let, me, let me give it to you. It says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. I love, love, love when the Bible repeats itself. Don't you? Because some of you are going to miss it the first time. And he's going to say, okay, listen. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So two things. Number one is wait on God. Joseph had to wait. He had to wait many years. I, I, somebody said 13. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. But I know it was a lot of years before he would go from the pit to the palace. Okay? Some of you look at me and say, God, could you explain this to me, brother? Why does God do that? Why, why does God allow me to be forgotten? Why did God allow me to be raped? Why, why did God allow me to be passed over? Why, would you please tell me this? If there is a God, why, why, why? Listen, I don't know why. I don't understand the ways and the mystery of God. I do know this, that God is good and that God loves you, and God in some sovereign, supernatural way, He will use that tragedy, and He will cause you to triumph. Listen to me. He will use that test, and it will become a powerful part of your testimony. Listen, if you don't quit, if you don't run out on God, if you don't just say, well, forget you, God. I tried you before you let me down. I'm leaving. Let me tell you, don't, don't, don't do that, because you are on the path to misery. Don't. Just say, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to wait on you. And God, I'm in the middle of it right now, but God, I'm going to wait as the Word of God says. Listen, guys, learn from people who go on before you. Learn from Christian Rager. Christian Rager was, was a godly man. He was a, a Jew and, and during World War II, and he was captured, and he was placed in Dachau. And from 1941 to 1945, can you imagine what hell on earth he experienced in Dachau? I mean, during Hitler's reign and Christian Rager, he, he's there and he says, we were, we were tortured and, and the only, my, my guilt, my guilt was I was part of the confessing church. I, I was friends with Martin Niemöller and I was friend with Dietrich Bonhoeffer and, and we took a stand against Nazism and, and fascism and we took a stand for Christ and because of that, I was captured. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, it cost him his life, but Rieger, he's in prison for four years. Chuck Swindoll says, he will tell you the horror stories if you ask, but he never stops there. He goes on to share his faith. How? Bear with me. At Dachau, he was visited by God who loves him. And in his own words, he said, these, Christian Rieger says, Nietzsche said, a man will undergo torture if he knows the why of his life. But I, in Dachau, I learned something even far greater. I learned to know the who of my life, not just the why. Jesus was enough to sustain me then, and He is enough to sustain me now. Wow. That's, that's, beyond, that's beyond me. I haven't... I haven't drank the dregs of that. I hope I never do to be so mistreated and yet 
He didn't allow it to make him bitter. He allowed it to make him better. So, he, so wait on God. Number two is be courageous. Joseph was courageous. I, I, I love just watching him as he, as he serves the prisoners, as he asks them, hey, can I help you? And, and let me tell you about my God. And my God can... He can give you the interpretation of the dream. And, and yet in chapter 40 when it says, and the chief butler did not remember Joseph but forgot him, it does not say, verse 24, Joseph turned his back on God. It doesn't, there is no verse 24 because it didn't happen. He was hurt. He was disappointed. And yet he, he was faithful. He was courageous. I came across this quote. Let me, let me wrap it up with giving you this quote. And I hope this encourages you. It certainly has encouraged me. It's from David Jeremiah. And he said this, Integrity is keeping my commitments even if the circumstances when I made my commitments have changed. Wow. Let me say that one more time. Integrity, real character and fidelity is keeping my commitments even when the circumstances when I made the commitments have changed. I can't tell you who to vote for in the presidency of the United States, but I can tell you who to vote for for the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I've two friends of mine are, are running, but I believe Steve Gaines should be the person, should be the next president of our convention. Not to say anything against the other brothers, one of them I know and love, but Steve is a man of God. I have so much respect for him, and I want to share his story with you, and then I'm going to close. When Steve came, went to Bellevue Baptist Church, he followed Adrian Rogers. My, my, my. <laughs> I would you like to do that, Brother Ken Farmer? Follow Adrian Rogers and be the pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church. And Steve will tell you, and he's, he has said this. He said, I made mistakes. I appreciate a man of God that can admit when he makes mistakes. And Steve, by the way, is going to preach for us here in a few months, and I really hope you come. He's a dear friend, and he and I are about the same size, about the same height. He's six foot six, he's a mountain of a man. And he, God has used him to speak some truth into my life. I literally grabbed me one time. Steve Gaines grabs you, you, you know it. He said, that's a lie from hell. Don't listen to it. Listen to what Jesus says. I was strong. But Steve Gaines, he says, I, I made mistakes. And he says, but he says, I've never been so hated as when I was hated by the members of Bellevue Baptist Church, so many of them. New pastor, making changes, has his vision, differs maybe from the vision from before. And I had lunch with a guy last year. Andy, you and I had lunch with this guy. And I know, I bet you remember what this guy said. He said, I'm a member at Bellevue Baptist Church, and we tried to kill him. But he wasn't a hireling. He was a true shepherd, and he stayed with us. And, and Steve Gaines today will tell you, yep, that's true. They about killed me, but I stayed. And now, 10 years later, I mean, God is all over him, all over his ministry. One of the most spirit-filled men I've ever met. And the theme of our conference that we're having in a few months is the Holy Spirit. 
And Steve's going to stand here, not behind this, because this is too short. This is mine. No, really, we have guest preachers. Y'all ever notice we switch out the pulpits because this one's mine? If, when you're eight feet tall, it comes up to your shins, all right? So he's, he's not, he's not going to be preaching from this. But when he comes, it'll be a Monday afternoon at 3 o'clock, November the 14th. I really want you to come, okay? It'll be here. We tried to kill him. Maybe Joseph said, I thought they were going to kill me. But Joseph, like Brother Steve, like Christian Rieger, said, I'm going I'm to be faithful. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to wait on God. And I, I, I want to give this to you, church. If they can do it, so can you. If they can be misunderstood, so will you. If they can be passed over and forgotten, so will you. But what will you do? I tell you, Austin, Texas is, is permeated. There's a plethora of people out there who once sat here and in that church and that church and that church and that church, and they had a bad experience. Instead of staying with God and being patient and letting God write the final chapter, they, 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 they truncated the process. And in that chrysalis moment when God's basically killing you so God can remake you, it's not the time to leave God. That's not the time to go. You wait, and when you, you, take, that, you take that caterpillar and you peel back that crust and you say, little, little butterfly, come out of there, you kill it. But if you leave it alone, just say, God, let God have his way. Let, let God do it. And then, boy, through the angst and through the pain, through the difficulty, out comes that butterfly. Let me pray for you. We'll have our invitation. I'd ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. It's noontime and the most important time of my week, and I hope you would agree with your week is this time, where we will invite you to take what you have heard from God's Word and apply it to your life and ask the Holy Spirit to make application. I agree with John Broadus, the famous Baptist theologian and professor of homiletics. He said, the most important part of preaching is application. So I'm going to call upon the Spirit of God to make application in your life. And with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to open up your heart and allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to you and to encourage you because you are that student and you know you are. And you are that spouse. And you are that person. It's passed over, forgotten, and you are in the valley of decision. And what you're about to decide is going to dictate the rest of your life. Trust me, it will. If you turn and you walk away now, there's a very good chance you'll never come back. Can I just tell you something? Please, don't do that. Because when you do that, the devil will give you what you will believe will be a justifiable answer to God and it will be a lie from the pit of hell but you'll take it and you'll now feel forever justified in your anger and in your passion and in your revenge and you'll always have that to lean on and it's not of Jesus it's nothing to do with Jesus so you say well, what am I supposed to do how, how do I deal with this how do I how do I turn to God here's what you do and I hope you're listening you run to the cross you run to the cross. 
to the author and the finisher of your faith, who, despising the shame, went forward for the joy that was set before him. Go to the cross. Go to a believer and say, help me with this. Pray with me through this. Get me through this because if I turn away from him, I know it's the end of me. So don't turn away from him. Do like Joseph. Listen, friend. I know your head's bowed. I know your eyes closed. And I know I'm supposed to be praying. But listen to my heart. Please, listen. Do not miss this. Joseph will come out of this. He's going to be used of God mightily. So are you. So are you. So are you. You say, how do you know? Because I know God. And I know how God works. So, Father, I pray for hearts to be soft, moldable, open to the massaging of the Spirit of God. Oh, Spirit of God, would you do something in their life that only you can do? Lord, my words are just hollow words. Lord, they'll just reverberate like empty sound unless they're coated and saturated with the Spirit of God. So, Spirit of God, take the Word of God. Take the preached Word of God from the man of God behind the desk of God and use it, O Spirit of God, in the people of God that those who are far from God would draw near to God. That's my prayer, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And with tears in my eyes, I, I want to look at you for a moment. Oh, this is an awesome song. I want to ask you to be vulnerable for a moment. Be transparent with God. And you don't have to come forward to do this. But you do have to be honest. When you stand in a moment, would you just maybe say, God, it's just you and me. And Lord, you got to help me with this. you got to help me with my anger. God, you got to help me with being forgotten. And, and God, if you'll help me, I'll be, I'll be faithful. Would, would you do that? Let's stand. Jana sings like an angel. Just, just let her sing, okay? Just let her sing, and, and whoever angelic voices are up there, bless you, and sing. and Just listen to him. Listen to the Spirit of God. Allow him to minister to you. If you want to come forward, that's great. We'll pray with you. We'll love on you.